0: You're listening to Pod Me if you can. This is Pod Me if you can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An
1: Australian podcast on your favorite movies.
0: Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com.
1: Welcome to Pod Me if you can. I'm David Farrell. Today on the show, I'm speaking with actor Ben Mortley who's previously appeared in Lantana and he was on Home and Away and in McLeod's Daughters among other things. Today we're discussing Zealous which is a feature film I interviewed the writer and director for last year. Zealous is kind of a modern romance in the vein of Before Sunrise and uh, I found the chemistry between Ben Mortley and Shannon Ashland, the leads, to be very realistic and uh, very authentic. If you want more information on the film you can go to zealousthemovie.com. There'll be a link to that website, as well as to the interview with writer and director of Zealous, uh, whom I spoke with last year, in the description of this episode. That'll be at podmeifyoucan.com. Without further ado, let's head to that interview with Ben. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. How did you get yourself into acting?
0: It was, I think I was about 12 years old. And we'd just come back from living overseas. And I think my mum my was doing some drama classes just for something, you know, something extra to do. And she came back one night and she said, asked me if, it was, if I would be interested, if it was something that I'd want to do. And I just thought, why not? i will give it a crack. And I think I started off with some improvisation classes with um, a, an amazing, beautiful teacher called Jerry Atkinson over in Perth. And I just used to love it every Saturday going to that. Just playing, and then one day, these people came in that were doing an audition for a film, and they am looking around for um some young actors, and so these asked us if we were interested, and there's a few of us that said yes, and we went along and auditioned, and I got into a film called Dingo, back then, um directed by Rolf de Heer, uh, yeah, and I that's when I got hooked, you know, I got taken around Western Australia and to remote places, working with amazing people, meeting amazing people. Um, And I was like, oh, you can do this for real, for a living? And um, I think from then on, I was kind of hooked on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that kind of exposure at a young age, of course, that's going to um, leave an impression.
0: Yeah, uh, it was just so much fun and just such interesting people. And I remember, I think probably a few years later, I started to think, you know, when everyone's asking you, "What do you want to do with your life?" You know, what are you going to do? And you have to try and make these decisions. I was thinking, oh, man, if I if I do acting, I can be anything. You know, I could I could be an astronaut, I can be a scientist, I can be a, a tradesman, I could be a doctor, whatever. Um, that's that was the fantasy in my head. Re- reality was very different. You know, as I got older and did it, you know, it's it's not easy. But um, look, I'm glad I did it, and that, that's how it all started.
1: And so, you know, when you're falling down that rabbit hole of acting, you know, who are your acting influences? Which actors are you watching everything that they're in?
0: My old influences are people like Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, you know, obviously there was Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. I just I love watching all their films. Um, and then going to drama school, um, I started to become fascinated with Leonardo DiCaprio, even though he's... Um, you know, there was something I thought well, I was a bit sort of, you know, heartthrobby about him, but you know, like watching his career evolve now, you can I could see that he's he's just a phenomenal talent. I've always loved his work. There's people like Edward Norton, um, F- Philip Seymour Hoffman's been a massive, massive idol of mine for a long time, and I got to meet him once, which was amazing. Javier Bardem. Um, And then there's Australians like Hugo Weaving, Ben Mendelsohn. I've loved watching them. And then even sort of more comedic actors I used to love watching when I was a kid, like Gene Wilder, Jerry Lewis, those kind of guys, and the midday matinee kind of shows I used to love watching.
1: Well, that's interesting with um, Leonardo DiCaprio in particular. You can see his kind of career, he basically can choose any role he wants. He can produce any film he wants. So now, I mean, that's got to be appealing, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I kind of... that that is, you know, like I mean, you get to say yes and no to to whatever you want. It's a real luxury. But I also really like what he's done with his um with his fame and his celebrity. You know, I, I really I, I give him a lot of kudos for for you know putting all his energy and his efforts into into the cause. You know, the environmental cause that he is. I think that's really
1: honorable. Well, you yourself, you've climbed the ladder of. Uh the Australian TV roles such as, uh, Home and Away, you know, everyone seems to have to do some time in Home and Away or Neighbours, uh, McLeod's Daughters as well. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Has there been a role that's been your favourite to date?
0: I mean, I don't think there's, I've had a, I've had a favourite out of those yet. I've kind of enjoyed a lot of them for, for different reasons. Like, McLeod's Daughters was amazing fun, you know, really, because it was, uh, I got to learn how to ride horses, which was brilliant, and we're working in the most beautiful countryside. Um, the character was a bit of a, it was a bit of romantic kind of clowning going on there. We were the young lovers. It was all this crazy clowning music. So that was good fun. I mean, getting to play in Lantana, which is not telly, but film, that was amazing too. That was playing a Latin lover, even though it was a small role, Got to He got to turn a bit nasty, that character, um, which is that's kind of the stuff, that complex stuff with the darkness. That's the stuff that always kind of um, I find more interesting to play than just
1: say like the hero or the, the romantic mm-hmm. lead. Some character development, I suppose.
0: Yeah, something a little more complex, a little more conflicted, a little more flawed, you know, a little more realistic, really. Yeah. They're the other things that always stand out to me a lot more.
1: And I suppose something like Home and Away, you know, tell us about your experience on that, just because is that the same sort of thing? Like, do you find you can develop a character across week to week?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I got that role straight out of um, drama school. And I remember coming out trying to to really understand the character and analyse it, and I was coming into it with all this kind of methodology that I'd learnt at drama school and, you know, trying to justify all these actions and, you know, you know the guy, the character I think was a he was a love interest to um, one of the main young actresses that had been on there for a while, and and I was trying to just he wasn't he was being very possessive I think, and I was trying to really justify it. I got called up to the producers' office one day, and saying, oh look, we are just uh, think about your character this and that and the other, and how's it all going? Look, we just basically want you to be, a, you know, a little bit more nasty to her, and I was like, oh, do you just want me to play the villain? He just goes. Yeah, just do that. Yeah, that'd be great. And he gave me a Home and Away hat. And I was like, okay, this is just two-dimensional. I get it. All right, don't try and overthink it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a soap opera, I suppose.
0: <laughs> you know, and it is what it is, and it does good things for a lot of people. But, yeah, it's like, don't overthink it too much.
1: Well, it'll be a great story you can tell when you're in the States one day about how you were on Home and Away.
0: <laughs> and, like, a Home and Away hat, told to be the villain. <laughs>
1: Well, um, you were actually nominated for a Logie for McLeod's Daughters, so tell us what that experience was like, being put in the um limelight, so to speak.
0: Oh, the the Logie's limelight, or just the yeah. Oh, that was that was an eye opener. Yeah, look, it's it's Australian television's night of nights. Um, it, it kind of felt I got to see it from the inside. You see how manufactured it is, you know, and it, you know, everything's um, you know, marketing. You know, we're just trying to, you know, make make a you know, what we do, important and relevant and we're trying to promote it and, you know, get people watching it, which is great. But it was just I was like, wow, this is things are kind of a circus, isn't it? It's like there's these lights, there's this little red carpet. It was my first experience of those red carpet things. And it was like just this tiny little space with these stands of uh little auditorium stands. They're really small, so it looks like there's a giant crowd, but they're just in this tiny section. I was like, oh this is all camera. Um look, I had a lot of fun, you know, um, you know, we got I think we got a little tipsy that night, um, but yeah, it was it was definitely an eye opener. It was a good education for me. And just go, oh, that's what these things are. I think it's like it's uh, Australian television's Oscars, mate.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I guess we're Emmy Awards or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 very interesting to sort of hear about, I suppose, because um, most people won't go to TV's Night of Nights and uh, unless you buy yourself a ticket, you know. But do you? Uh, you know, no bitterness bitterness aside even. Do you remember who you lost to?
0: I have no idea. I can't remember.
1: That's a very healthy way to observe it, I think.
0: <laughs> I was just happy to be there. And I had I had a lot of friends that were there at the same time as well. And you had been nominated. So it was just a big party for us, you know, which I think it probably is for most of the industry. Um, you know, if, you know, it's, it was nice to get nominated. And, you know, if you win, great, you know, but whatever, you know.
1: Did um, getting nominated for a Logie help your career, do you think?
0: I don't know. Like, I, Things went quiet later on. There was a period, um, I guess, you know, say three or four years ago. Before that, there was a period that went pretty quiet for a while. And I think it just, that's, you know, we, it all goes up and down. Um, but it seems to be in the last, I don't know, um, four or five years, whenever it's mentioned, like whenever people talk about my bio, that's always mentioned. Um, and I mean, I've kind of, I, I was probably naive. I didn't grow up in the industry or with anyone in the arts. And I was always naive to those kind of things, I think. But um, it seems like, look, it's a marketing point, you know. And and, and um, so people say you're, you're nominated for this for a Logie and cool, it gets a couple of sound bites. But um, look, I don't think, I don't think it's done a hell of a lot. But who am I to say? I have no idea. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't.
1: Well, I got you on the podcast, didn't I?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, mate <laughs> The only reason I'm talking to you Is because you saw Logie nominated
1: That's right, yeah It definitely pops up in the Google search of you for sure <laughs> So uh, do you prefer to act on stage or screen?
0: I, I don't have a preference between either I, I honestly love both of them um, um, They both offer completely different things uh, On stage, I, I love the the magic of the theater and i'm gonna i mean um the magic of the imagination like it's a it really is a place for the imagination because everyone knows that it's a bunch of people up on stage in costumes in a set it can be done brilliantly and look amazing but it's up to the actor's imagination and the audience's imagination to go okay we're we're take we're going somewhere else and then if that when that magic works that's beautiful, you know? And you also have the thing of the live audience there being um, another another cog in this sort of machine of storytelling. Like they're as important as the performers up on stage, and you, you know the actors feed off the audience. So there's that side of it which I absolutely love. But on films, I love the also I love on film the the sense of community that there is because there's a much bigger kind of crew involved. Um, You know, you could have anywhere from, like, 30 people in a crew to, you know, 100 people in a crew. And then you cast as well. And I just love that kind of enormous family that seems to happen um, on a film set and all different walks of life as well. You've got the complete techie people um, or complete practical people to your real, you know, heady intellectual people and i love that kind of cross-section which is fantastic and then there's you know working in the two it's like a two-dimensional form on film which i love you know and you can go from from the microscopic of most microscopic of details you know it might be like you know putting a a pen down or something so small um which is being used to tell a story you know to the most epic of scales where you're you know you've got a drone you know, half a kilometre up in the sky, looking at you walking across a salt pan and you go and everywhere in between. And I love that, that ability to play with scale in film
1: is amazing. And as an actor, I suppose you get as many takes as you want on a film, you know, not necessarily as you want, obviously there is limitations, but that kind of, when you're on stage, it's all one, one go first time, you know, it's live
0: it's yeah. I remember having a drama teacher that always that used a word that I didn't understand at the time in high school, and I, I love that word for theatre. It's ephemeral. Um, that uh, yeah, theatre is ephemeral. You know, it's there in the moment and then it's gone. What happened in that moment never happened again. Even though you do it the next night, it's going to be completely different. And there is has to be that continuity. Like you, yeah, if you stuff up, you've got to you've got to think on your feet. You've got to support each other. You've got to pick up. You've got to keep moving. You know, which. Yeah, if, you, if if something goes wrong in film, you can cut, you can take and go again, which adds that element of risk. And also, yeah, sometimes it's massively rewarding. Sometimes you all end up corpsing and the audience ends up cracking up at you all corpsing. And yeah, that's great.
1: Well, let's uh, discuss Zealous, the film we're here to talk about and promote. Tell us all about your experience on the set, you know, um, when you came on board the production, what did you love about it? What drew you to this character?
0: I got approached by Joe and Claire, and they'd seen Shannon and I in a short film, and they asked me if I'd be interested in doing this film. I remember reading the script um, and being really interested in the character's journey. I was really interested in the, the honesty and the relationship between the two leads, between Sarah and Bernard, um, you know, being an, an honest, modern, complex relationship, a complex love story, um, it didn't shy away from, uh, you know, the, the troubles that come up in, you know, I guess most of our relationships, I'd assume, um, you know, ideas of trust and, and fidelity and, um, you know, differences in personality, whether someone's moving on and someone's moving, you know, moving in a different direction. Um. Yeah, there were just some. There were some really nice, intimate scenes, particularly between Bernard and Sarah, that I thought, "Oh wow, these these scenes are really rich." And then um, you know, so I talked to them, and then I put down a little audition tape, and then it was all yes, go ahead, and I really liked. Um I really like the honesty as well. Like I said, look, this would be my first lead in a feature film. And, and I said to to, to Joe, I said, look, that terrifies me. And she said, look, look I'm terrified as well, you know, because it's her first feature. And so I was like, great, this is – um, I feel like this is the right kind of project to really challenge ourselves on, you know. And then it started rolling, you know. And they did an amazing job, you know, basically – Two key people, Joe and Claire, pulling the whole thing together. um, Probably doing about five people's jobs each um, on a micro budget. Yeah, to pull together something like this. You know, I was often compare it to like climbing Mount Everest. So it was huge. It was an intense experience. You know, we'd basically shot it in twenty days. Um, You know, there might have been a day off in the middle there somewhere. We're doing fourteen-hour days. um, Small crew. And I think we were all so exhausted, but everyone pulled together. They pulled together a good team, good crew that worked well together. The cast were amazing. Um, And, yeah, we pulled it off. Um, But that taught me stamina. (laughs) It taught me a lot of stamina, like doing 14-hour days and then traveling home, you know, for an hour and then probably getting four hours sleep a night. I was like, whoa, this is what it's like to be professional.
1: I've seen the film. I really enjoyed it. Have you had a chance to see the final product?
0: I haven't had I don't have a chance to see you. i am been bouncing around Australia at the moment doing a few different things and everywhere I go I'm in the wrong place to see the film. Uh,
1: <laughs> is it all right? <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really good, mate. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, cheers. Your, um, your character, Bernard, is very reserved and very quiet. You know, I was curious how you prepare to do a character like this, you know, if there's personal experiences you can draw on or um if that's how you are in real life.
0: Yeah, like I think um, I've done some of those personality tests and I'm a, I'm an extroverted introvert, you know, and it's a weird thing for an actor, but I hear that happens a lot with this. So there is the – he is very introverted, Bernard, and I, I, there's, I guess there's parts of myself that can definitely draw on there, um, probably parts of himself where he would think about things way too much rather than speaking out, you know, Um So, look, there's elements of myself I drew on. There's elements of other people and, you know, other friends and family that you go, oh, that's a little personality trait. I'll grab that. But in terms of Bernard, um, I think there was also the thing with him that really fascinated me is that he can be introverted, but, you know, there's there's these big conversations and there's these arguments that he has with Sarah. And I felt like he was a person that was constantly bottling up What he what he probably wanted to say, or he wasn't sure what he wanted to say, or he's worried about saying the wrong thing. Yeah, he bottled that up, and then at these pressure points, when they you know they release, and I think see this happen a bit is that when people bottle things up, then all of a sudden at some point it explodes. Um, So kind of I wanted to carry this kind of um, sense of like a simmering. like uh, frustration or unknowingness or heat about him as well and intensity Just
1: uh, just under the surface. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, and also it's kind of a film where he's like, he's forced to try and explore other parts of himself. He's socially awkward. Um, uh, and I think Sarah's that kind of outlet for him. She's his key to the, to the world, to this, to just like a social, to a social life. Um, and, When he decides that when he's starting to explore the fact that maybe this relationship might not be right, then he has to try and do that himself. He finds himself, you know, in lots of very awkward situations. Um, I'm used to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm socially awkward at times, so yeah, like uh, he's a very interesting and subtle character to explore.
1: Yeah, for those listening who haven't uh, heard of the film, IMDb describes it as a man who would never cheat, and he's asked by the woman he loves to have sex with someone else to save their relationship, a compromise which may ultimately destroy them as love becomes corroded by jealousy. And and like you say, it's a very intimate film. Um, Most of the time, it's just the two of you, Shannon Ashland, who plays Sarah, And I think she plays vulnerable really well in this and and does a great job, you know. What was your experience like working with her, having worked with her before?
0: Uh, Yeah, like you said, I've worked with her before and she's just, she's such a present and generous um, actor to work with and it's just, it's easy, you know. You have those, sometimes you have those working relationships where it just clicks and it did, easy. And, you know, we found it so easy to work together before, which is probably, you know, probably part of the reason why we got cast together because I just, you know, we know we worked well together and we know on screen. Um, yeah. Like She's, she's amazing. And the access that she has to an emotional life is, you know, some, when I first worked with her, I just, she blew me away. I remember going, Oh, it's one of those people you work with. You go, all right, right. Okay. I've got to, I've got to step up a couple of inches. Okay. This shit. No, she's just lifted the bar. All right. Um, yeah, so she was amazing.
1: It's a very believable relationship between the two of you. I think it comes across as, as realistic, and I'm just wondering if there's a trick to trying to create this kind of intimacy, you know, that we see at the beginning of the film, that the two of you are just kind of dancing in a room and enjoying each other's company. Uh, I, I just, you know, how much time did you have to spend together like, uh, for it to seem so realistic?
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, knowing each other beforehand definitely helps, and having worked together, there's the instantly there's that level of trust, um, straight away. Uh, and then, you know, one of the great things that Joe and Claire did was give us a, a, a decent rehearsal period as well. So to, re- to really play and look, it may have only been like two or three days, but that was all four. I don't not Can't remember, but it was, that was solid. We even got to work in the space. We got to work in the, um, the apartment, which was great. So working together, then we'd catch up, we'd have dinner and just talk about stuff and character. Um, but, there's, there's there's that thing of like when you know you have to play this there's you talk to each other about it there's a sense of a great sense of trust in each other um, but also I think what like uh, I was gonna say Sarah Shannon and I you know we always have a good laugh and we we have when we have and we've worked in the past she's got a great sense of humor and I so I think that really helps you know if you can if you can muck around and laugh and then you can go into these scenes it just it really just breaks the ice yeah so it wasn't that hard and look she's she's talented and she's stunning it's not hard to have to like look in her eyes and pretend to love her
1: yeah, yeah. I can agree with that mate <laughs> in uh, in this film there's a character called Rebecca who says she doesn't believe in the one and that we're all waiting for the universe to do all the hard work for us you know this film technically is not a romantic comedy you know it's slated uh, as a comedy drama romance on IMDB. But is this the kind of genre that you lean towards? You know, are you a romantic yourself?
0: No. Oh, look. Yes, I'm a romantic. No, I don't lean towards romantic comedies. They've never really been my thing. Um, oh, you mentioned Rebecca. Look, I've got to mention that was Ainsley McGlynn. She, she did an amazing job. Her and Lee Scully were our two other supports and um, they just made it so easy to play together. Um, but I'm, I'm not really... Look, I'm a romantic... But I'm also – I have a scientific bent. Um, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. I've grown up in a very scientific kind of household. And so there is that I, – I, I'm conflicted. So I sometimes, you know, you read that science and you go, yeah, I'm romantic. Yeah, I want to find find love and find the one I, I – you know, the, the one. But is it all just my DNA just like trying to, re, you know, replicate itself that's produced pheromones and stuff like that? So, Yeah yeah that's probably the one of the eternal questions, you know.
1: In some of these scenes, both your characters are reading books, and you know just sitting in bed reading a book. and I'm just really curious if you guys had any say over what books you're reading or if they were chosen by Joe and Claire.
0: From what I can remember, no we didn't we didn't go out and deliberately pick the books, but I think we got to choose what was on the shelf from what was <laughs> on the shelf. Um, I'm not sure how deliberate they were. Um, I do remember you know, having a quick look around I actually can't remember what the books were to be honest um, but it was probably the production designer's choice as to what was on the books bookshelves there
1: You know this film takes both your characters through a kind of emotional ringer um, I'm just curious how you personally would psych yourself up and prepare for a scene where you have to kind of fight with your partner here and whether it's kind of like a headspace you have to get into whether you have to kind of like um, build up to something or, or how do you do it?
0: particularly you know when you're shooting you know as you do in film nonlinear you're out of order you know like, um, it's really important and I try and map out um, the whole journey of the character and you know you know I might be carrying around the pages um, for the scenes for the day and I'll, I'll go through and I'll on a, at each scene I'll, I'll write down what's happened beforehand so I know at least proceeding, you know, this preceding couple of scenes, I'll just throw out the key points. And so I know where, where I've come from. I think what we call um, as actors, given circumstances, you know, it's like where you've come from, who you've been talking to, you know, what you know, all those things, what have, what's been going on in the last few days, um, they're really important. Um, so it's I, I guess it's most, mostly about imagination. Uh, and then if, it's, if it is like, say, if, you know, you're talking about those arguments, I guess I try and um, I might try and remember similar arguments in my life or things that had similar stakes. And for me, the way I like to work is I like to try and remember where that might have sat in my body, how it felt somewhere in my body physically. Um, you know that, and I would probably I'd only think about those things if sometimes in preparation earlier, or if if I'm struggling to to hit a point. But a lot of the time when you're playing, you know, and so playing opposite Shannon, because we, it's, you know, she's lovely to work with. Her imagination is phenomenal. If I, if we both come in into that situation, once you just, you let go of all that preparation, it just, it it can seem to work, you know? Um, and, and also getting to choreograph these scenes, some of these big arguments were through the house. And one of the great things that we did in the in the rehearsal days was choreograph these arguments from room to room to room where you, where you could see how someone would walk away at a certain time and walk out of a room and that would actually spur on an impulse of like, how dare you walk out from this room in the middle of the argument and that then we'll kick it into another gear. And we got to really experiment with that, which I think yeah was was really good, really lucky for us.
1: Yeah, very good. Um, I do hope you get a chance to check it out soon. <laughs>
0: yeah, me too, I hope it works.
1: Um, have you seen and are you familiar with the Before Sunrise uh, trilogy of films?
0: Yeah, I think I've seen one of them a long time ago.
1: Yeah, well, to tell you, the, the characters from... Uh, Before Sunrise obviously meet up every few years kind of thing and uh, we pick up the story at different points in their life and watching Zealous I was reminded of Before Sunrise um, which is the first one and just with these characters I sort of thought this feels a bit like it could be something that where you pick up these characters again and without spoiling the ending of this film do you think you can imagine these characters you know 10 years later and and is it something you would explore as an actor and reprise your role?
0: Uh, Yeah definitely. Um, it's hard to talk about these characters in the future without spoiling it. Um, although it, it's kind of, it's a little ambiguous. The ending, I think, to this. Um, oh, I'm getting into spoiler territory, mate. Um, I will I just knowing who Bernard is, I know that he's the kind of guy that is gonna gonna create his perfect ideal of his world. He, he, he's gonna. He needs to control his world. He needs so that he can feel safe um, and organized. Uh, so he would, he would definitely be the, the wife with two or three kids, you know, a nice car, maybe a dog, a few pets. Maybe, uh, I'm sure he'd be looking at a holiday house up the coast somewhere eventually as well. I think he'd be quite successful. So, yeah, um, it would definitely be interesting to come back and see where he ends up. Or how that could go wrong you know you know which which might be more interesting like or where, where things went wrong for him
1: yeah or even if um yeah he, um, he has his world more turned upside down again ten years sort of um, down the road
0: yeah because I mean sometimes you can have the, the best of plans laid and it's up the way that you want it so that that, that would be that would be more dramatic definitely
1: which will work well for a movie is uh, is there a character or a role that you've always wanted to do? Something you've always wanted to sink your teeth into?
0: I always used to be interested in uh, playing Hamlet. It's kind of an old cliche actor's dream. Then there was also more Macbeth, probably as well. And as I mentioned before, I think Macbeth is conflicted in another way, other than you know, a different way to Hamlet. I like that kind of how Macbeth can be seen as a villain towards the end, um, you know, when he started out with, you know, a lot of the best of intentions. But, uh, you know, it is those conflicted characters that really, really excite me. Um, villains or people have tapped into something, you know, some of the the, the darkness, the, the flaws in the human condition. Um, and I guess, like, a good example of that for me was like some of the best TV I've seen in the last, I don't know, five years was True Detective. I loved where they went with Harrison and Matt McConaughey, you know. And and also then like bloodlines. I love Ben Mendelssohn's character. What an amazing character. What an amazing journey for an actor to go through in something like that. You know, someone who comes out across, like say Ben Mendelssohn, comes across like a real piece of work, like um Machiavellian and all that, but you really get to see as it goes on why he's turned out that way, that he's tried to get himself on the right track. That there were these these things that happened to him in his life that got him
1: to that point. Yeah, he's he's having a really good uh, purple patch in his career at the moment, isn't he? He's popping up in everything.
0: Totally, as he deserves, you know. Like, um, yeah, his you know career's going up and down and you know, hot and cold and stuff like that. And but he's a phenomenal talent, you know. He deserves to be there. I'm glad he's finally getting the work that he that he deserves and the recognition that he deserves.
1: Well, I guess that segues nicely into my next question. I mean, we see these former home-and-away types go over to the US all the time for pilot season, and uh, just wondering, is it tempting to go and try your luck, or is that something you've done before?
0: Yeah, I've had a lot of friends, a lot of people ask me about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not averse to it at all. I'm, I'm not in a hurry to rush over there because um, I, I know that, you know, it's just going, you know, you go into this bigger pond again. I just don't want to, like, hit, you know, be beating the pavements and, because it can get you down when you've got no work. But I, I my, my kind of plan is, like, if something was to, to happen, like a film or something I did, did well and went over there, then I'd go over with that and just see what happens, you know. Like, I'd go over to support the film and see what happens, but, um, yeah, look, I'm not adverse it all, but I also want to, you know, help keep making work here in Australia as well, which is a big thing for me, which is, um, well, I like, I'm, I'm working on a documentary of my own at the moment with some friends and, you know, so we want to, we want to get that going and, you know, I want to, I'm working on some scripts with friends over at WA, we want to um, make some film, TV over there. so. I love working. I'd love to be able to travel and work and then always come back home.
1: Maybe a travel show. (laughs) (laughs) TV, travel,
0: reality show. Actor abroad.
1: (laughs) Very good. Um, What was the last film you saw in the cinema? I often uh, finish these interviews with that question just uh, to promote, you know, heading to the cinema and uh, basically, you know not necessarily watching something at home on a sofa, but more of a community experience. Uh,
0: The last one I saw at the cinema was Wind River.
1: Uh, Wind River. Yeah. That's um, Taylor Sheridan, director, writer and uh, Jeremy Renner with Elizabeth Olsen. What'd you think?
0: Um, Look, it was, it was good. Um, I love watching Jeremy Renner. Elizabeth Olsen was good. I just felt it was a little bit overwritten. Um, Okay. I, I think, First one because I love Sicario and um, Hello High Water, which Taylor Sheridan wrote. Um, but I think this is the first one he's written and directed. And I just felt like there wasn't that extra little bit of raining in. Like some of the monologues were just really big, obvious film monologues. But it's a it's a punchy story and um, it's got the most amazing setting. It's another dark film. Like a lot of his stuff, quite dark. Like Sicario, that was a phenomenal film, but also very very dark
1: you got something on the horizon you're looking forward to seeing?
0: Uh, film-wise, Blade Runner, 2009. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, we're planning to go see that this week. And there's another film that I was I, well, there's a film that I was in last year that I can't wait to see. It was a, a Western shot in WA, and that one was... I can't wait to see how that turns out. I have no idea how
1: it's going to turn out, but that looked pretty exciting to me. So uh, you mentioned uh, what's next for you. You Obviously, you're working on a doco. Did you want to give that a plug or have you got another performance or something else you want to push here?
0: Um, Yeah, well, the doco, um, we just found out we got into our first festival, which was amazing. Um, It's the Dakar International Film Festival in Bangladesh. Uh The documentary is called Arche Beyond Beyond the Tsunami and we went over it to Arche in Indonesia in 2014 and um, just collected an amazing group of um stories from the survivors from the tsunami from that that happened in 2004 yeah so that's just working on the other side of the camera so that takes up a lot of my time um but it's also really satisfying and just yeah a few other films get to come out this year um one short and one feature which i'm really looking forward to um one the western was the decadent and depraved um it's a feature yep first western shot in western australia that's going to be exciting and then there's another short by uh amazing director called Anthony Webb um, yeah which just like one man on a on a distant planet in a spacesuit um, survival
1: story talking to his AI fascinating that looks yeah that looks phenomenal as well yeah very good well it sounds like you have an eye for projects and um, I can see why you were drawn to zealous uh, also the atmosphere on the set and everything I got a really good sense of that speaking to Joe and Claire. I'll put a link to their interview in the description of this interview for people. And um, if they want to check it out, people can head to www.zealousthemovie.com and follow them on Facebook as well. Ben uh, Mortley, thank you very much for sitting down and having a chat. No
0: worries, Dave. Thanks a lot. It was lovely to talk.
1: That was my interview with Ben Mortley about his film Zealous. If you'd like to see the film, uh, you can find out how uh, by following them on Facebook or heading to zealousthemovie.com. Stay tuned to Pod Me If You Can for uh, more interviews next week. Hit it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.
0: Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews.